0: Hey, Real Life family and friends, Uh, it's good to be together again, and thank you for joining today as we continue this uh, series called Build Yourself Up. And so the last three weeks, let me just do a quick review with you. We started with a scripture out of Jude, Jude 20 and 21, and it says this, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love. As you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. And so uh, this series is about how do we build ourselves up and how do we maintain our strength, our spiritual strength in God, um, just like we have physical strength and we can develop that physical strength through exercise and weights and different things like that. We have spiritual exercises we can do that actually build our spiritual strength. And so this series is all about building yourself up. So I hope that you are ready to build yourself up and be stronger uh, in your faith. The Bible says to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. And we know that God's power is spiritual power, right, that influences all of our lives. And so that's been the heartbeat of this series. And today we're going to continue that. So the first week we talked about one of those spiritual exercises is reading the Bible and not just reading it, but the whole goal of the Bible or the Word of God is to assimilate it into our very being. And I use the idea of meditation, just like digestion um, in our physical body. We take food, we chew it, Uh, We break it down, we enjoy the flavor, uh, we swallow it, then the enzymes go to work, breaking that, that food down, and eventually it's actually, a lot of what we eat is actually absorbed into our system, like literally absorbed into our body, into our blood, and it becomes who we are, right? And some of it passes through. It's the same with the Word of God, and it's thought digestion, okay? So we are taking the Word of God we're meditating on it now, and instead of you know, it being in our stomach, it's now in our mind. It's in our thoughts, and we're interacting with God's thoughts, and we're asking for the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and open our eyes of understanding, teach us and transform us and renew our thinking. And so we're interacting with the Word of God like thought digestion. We're breaking it down. We're meditating. We're interacting with God until... It gets absorbed into us. That's the point of the Word of God. Not just to read it, to say, I read it. Uh, Not just to check some kind of religious box off, but to meet with God, to meet with Him in in His Word to the point where it absorbs into our very being and we become more like Jesus. That will strengthen you. That will build you up. The Word of God will build you up because it is flawless. It is powerful. The Word of God is eternal. And Jesus uh, is the Word of God. And, and we're as we do this process of meditating and absorbing the Word of God, we are actually becoming more like Jesus. All right, that was first week. The second week, we talked about prayer and how powerful prayer is. That prayer is way more than us just talking to God off into the distance. But prayer is actually meeting with God, having, having a, uh, an exchange with God. And it's it's uh, it's something I challenged everybody to think about. How much of prayer do you think is you talking versus how about listening? Because it is an exchange. It's an interaction with God. That's what the prayer in Hebrew really refers to. Tefila is this um, re, uh, reciprocal interaction with God, where I'm I'm sharing. But then I'm listening and God's sharing and I'm learning and touching with God, you know, and learning his his will and he's teaching me and he's molding me in prayer, in prayer. And so this is another uh, means by which we build ourselves up is meeting with God in prayer, talking to God, having conversation with God. We can release our concerns. We can release our fears. We can exchange all of that for God's peace and his presence. We can receive God's wisdom and, and guidance Uh, we can just receive his love and his comfort. It builds us up. Prayer builds us up. The word of God builds us up. And so these are daily, not even, I don't, yeah, I guess it's a daily exercise, but it can be more than daily. You know what I mean? Like this prayer for me is an ongoing conversation throughout my day. Uh, And I'd encourage you to try to think about it that way. An ongoing conversation with God throughout your day, releasing negativity, receiving God's presence, His guidance, His power, His love, His peace throughout your day, and it just keeps building you up, puts you back on track, right? And then last week, Ryan was um, sharing about our spirit-filled life. Also, we had this blessing of spiritual gifts that build up one another, and so when I allow God to um, move through me to another person uh, with one of these gifts, it builds the other person up. And if I'm in an environment like this, other gifts are coming to me to build me up. And we build each other up. And so when we're talking about building our faith, we are talking about also, um, you know, engaging in a Spirit-filled life and being around other people who are walking in a Spirit-filled life. Because then the gifts of the Spirit are constantly flowing through us to one another, and we actually build each other up. And we need that. We need that. We need each other because God has designed us to need each other. No one person has everything on their own. God didn't do it that way because God wants us to experience community. So I hope that you are connecting in community. Uh, if this is your church, it's awesome. That's what we're trying to do. If you're looking for a church, you've got to find a church that you can connect with people and live this kind of lifestyle together because you need each other. We need each other, right? So today, I want to continue this conversation about what does it look like to live a spirit-filled life? So last week, we talked about spiritual gifts. Today, we're going to look at our spiritual language. And next week, we're going to look at spiritual warfare. Okay. These are just some big components of what I, what I uh, kind of term as a spirit-filled lifestyle. Qualities of spirit living. All right, Spiritual gifts. Today, we're going to talk about our spiritual language. And next week, we're going to talk about something called spiritual warfare. Okay. Now, before we get into that, I want to just read a, a verse here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Now, Paul was in an environment, in a culture where there were some, uh, uh, a lot of um, orators and speakers and people who uh, would try to persuade the crowds with their words and their theatrics, right? And Paul says, I'm not coming here with just man's wisdom. I'm not coming here with uh, oratory skills to try to uh, impress anybody. Uh, I'm not coming with just man's words. I'm coming with the Spirit's power. So your faith does not rest on man's understanding, man's wisdom, or man's theatrics, but on the power of the Spirit of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the spiritual realm and the spiritual power that is far greater than the natural realm that most of us um, spend the majority of our life, you know, tuned into. We're tuned into this natural plane, but there is a spiritual plane that is more real and more powerful that we need to learn how to live in more. And that's what I refer to as the spirit-filled life. So how, uh, you know, whose power do you want to live with? my, I'll just put it personally, my power or God's power, right? I want God's power. I need God's power. I've tasted and I have tested my power and it falls short. It's not enough, but spiritual power, God's power is what I need. That's what you need. And so that's what we're going to talk about. My wisdom or God's wisdom? I'll take God's wisdom. I'll take God's wisdom, right? Now, our world is impressed with theater, with lights, feelings, emotion, passion, causes, words, right? One of America's greatest pastimes is movies, right? We love to go to the movies. I love going to the movies. We love to get caught up in the fantasies and and be moved by uh, music and, and theater, to be emotionally moved. Our entire world... Is actually wired for you and I to have a sensory experience. We just think about, you know, our cell phones, all the dings and bells and whistles and likes and followers and su- subscribers on our social media. It's all training us to be dependent on a sensory world, right? A world where we are, uh, we taste, we touch, we smell, we see, we hear, right? These things rule our experience of life. Our senses. Our, our natural plane that we're living in. These things are all natural. The problem is they're not supernatural. And we get really used to and comfortable making decisions and interacting on a natural level when there's a much higher level that God wants you and me to experience. It's supernatural. It's spiritual, not just natural, right? Isaiah 55, 9 uh, says this. God is speaking. He says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, which this is an infinite gap, all right? As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher your, than your thoughts. And in fact, you know, the if we think about a height differential between God's wisdom and our wisdom, the, it's in, there's an infinite gap. The Bible, in fact, says God's Foolishness, the the lowest that God's wisdom would come to, which is even silly talking about God like that because there is no foolishness in God. There's only perfection. But the lowest of God's wisdom is infinitely greater than man's highest point of, of, of revelation or wisdom, right? And it says that God's weakness. Is far superior than God's strong uh, than man's strength or his the strongest man. There's no there is no competition there at all, and so we are used to living based on our wisdom, our greatness, our strength. But there is a whole different realm available to you and to me, and it's the spirit life. It's living and depending and trusting and relying on. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, not just me, not just my resources, my intellect, my training, my understanding, okay? So let me just talk about this for a minute. A human is by nature a spirit, not a body. You, the essence of who you are is you are a spirit. You are not a body. You have a body, but you are a spirit. You live in this body, but you're a spirit. You're an eternal being made in the image of God, and you have a soul. You have a mind, will, and emotions, and those things are fluctuating and changing, and they can be developing, and those things can be being renewed in you. Your soul uh, can be renewed, uh, can be healed. Your mind can grow, can be renewed, can be changed. Your will as well, right? But you are a spirit. You're not a body, Right? So, what that means is the real essence of who you are is spiritual, not physical. And yet, most of our existence is consumed with the physical stuff, the taste, the touch, the smell, all that kind of thing. And so, I'm challenging you, I'm going to challenge you today to consider a different lifestyle, a lifestyle that is more spiritual, focused on the spiritual side of who you really are, than the physical And if you do, you'll be living a totally different life than most people around you. (laughs) And it'll be fuller and and, and better by, by far. And so we often overvalue our wisdom and we undervalue God's wisdom. We often overestimate our thoughts and our abilities and we underestimate God's thoughts. How? How do we do that? Well, I think it's just by default, by relying on our thoughts for most of our daily decisions uh, in life instead of seeking God's. We presume um, we don't need God's help. We presume we know the right answers. We presume we're smart. Or pre- we presume that um, we can figure this out. And we don't even realize that we could actually be engaging with the Spirit of God in all of these activities of life and having a much greater wisdom uh, guiding us and leading us than ourselves. <laughs> Can I get an amen from anybody? You know what I'm talking about? And so that's the idea, that's the challenge of this message is to begin to live a spirit filled life. Most of us live most of our lives on a natural plane, but God calls us to live on a supernatural or a spiritual plane, right? We are depending, when we are living on the natural plane, we're depending on our resources, human wisdom, human strength, human uh, resources that are severely limited, tainted, uh, skewed, right, broken, when God has called us to live on, on a spiritual plane with Him and His wisdom and His resources available to us. Okay, so... Let's just think about it in this way. 1 Corinthians 25 says, The foolishness, as I already mentioned, of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. God's lowest point is is immeasurably greater than man's greatest heights. The Bible says in Isaiah 64.8, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. When we think about this analogy, we're the clay. If you were the potter and you had a lump of, uh, lump of clay and you're molding it and you're fashioning that clay, you know that clay doesn't have any intelligence compared to you. <laughs> it's a lump of dirt, right? This is the analogy scripture is saying. We are a lump of dirt in the hands of God, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? We were formed out of the earth from dust. Right, God f- took us like a lump of clay and formed us and fashioned us and then he breathed life into us. So th- um, this is a pretty good analogy, right? And, and so the, the idea is how much smarter or intelligent is the potter, the one who is alive, um, than the lump of clay that's being fashioned and given any sort of purpose or meaning only through the hands of that potter. And so, um, we are the work of God's hands. He is our creator, our God, our Father. His wisdom is infinitely greater than ours. And yet, God gives us access to Him and to His heart and to His wisdom. It's, It's just beautiful. So, let's do that. Let's learn how to live a spirit filled life instead of just a natural sin filled life, right? We need God's power. We need His wisdom. And living a spirit filled life is accessing the Spirit's wisdom and power instead of relying on our own. All right, so let me say it again. Living a spirit filled life is relying on and accessing God's spiritual resources instead of relying on our own. So that's what we want to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 14. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Listen to this. The Spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. What's exciting about that is what the Bible says next. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So the Bible says the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God, even the deep things of God, and we have received this spirit. Therefore, through the spirit, we can know God. We can know things we could not know any other way through our natural means or our own understanding except through the spirit of God. So, because we have received the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of this world, we now have access to understand what God has done for us, who God is, what He has freely given us. This is amazing. And yet, so many of us don't access um, this opportunity. We don't take advantage of this opportunity, right? So, it says here, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for they're foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, you cannot understand spiritual truths without the Spirit of God. Can't do it. That's why we look around our world, we see so many people who are without the Spirit of God are lost in their wisdom right? They, the, the wisdom of the Spirit and the spiritual truths that some of us are aware of seem like foolishness to the world. To a person without the Spirit of God, they have no discernment of spiritual truth. It just doesn't make sense to them. It seems just ridiculous. And so that's why we see the tension in our world, because the Spirit of this world is hostile to the Spirit of God. It's an opposite direction. Wouldn't you agree? And so the sons of God, the children of God, the daughters of God who have the Spirit of God, we see things differently. We understand things differently, not because we're smarter, we're better than anybody else, but because the Spirit of God is now with us and in us and illuminating us to the true eternal truths of who God is and what his plan is for our lives. And we can walk in that wisdom or we can retreat back into the spirit of this world and the foolishness of those who don't understand what God has done and who He is. So this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter two says that the spirit of God knows the thoughts of God. and we've received this spirit of God, and the purpose of all this is so we could understand who God is. So you see, God's not hiding himself from us. God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal His will to us. He wants us to live. Uh, in victory, empowered uh, over the things of this world. And we do that through accessing the spiritual plane, the spiritual plane, living a spirit-filled life. So today I'm talking specifically about spiritual things, not natural things. We're talking about spiritual things here, okay? And so there's a huge difference between the natural realm and the spiritual realm. And each of us can experience both of those, right? We no longer are limited by our thinking, our own mindset, our own understanding, because now the Holy Spirit is accessible to us for a whole new understanding, for knowing God, for discerning God's will, and for being empowered to really, truly live an abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Here's what Romans, Paul says this in Romans chapter eight. I'm gonna read several verses just just enjoy the scriptures here as I read them. Just, just let them kind of wash over you. The, the simple truth of what I'm about to say, Romans eight chapter five, uh, chapter eight verses five and following. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ." But if Christ is in you, listen to this. This is so simple. If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So where does the spirit live? He now lives in you, right? If Christ is your Lord and Savior, you now Have the Spirit of God living in you. And when you allow the Spirit of God to rule and reign in your life, it produces life and peace. When you allow the sinful nature to take control, all of this natural plain stuff, it results in death, brokenness, hurt, pain, and evil. goes on to say, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. Right? But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God? And co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. So, because we are children of God, we are also heirs of the promises of the covenant, which means we can have the same spiritual experience that Christ showed us was possible, right? We are not alienated from the covenant, we are grafted into the covenant and all the promises of God. So, that's why we want to live spirit filled lives. Uh, we want to access the spiritual power power that the Spirit provides us for life. Spirit-filled living results in a, an abundant life for us, okay? And living according to our nature, our sinful nature, leads to death and brokenness. That's why it's so important that we are open to everything that God has for us and we learn to live differently because we're all used to living in, in this natural uh, plain with taste, sense, uh, making our best decisions, seeing what everybody else is doing, trying to figure things out, or we can access God's will through His Spirit. So now I want to talk about that specifically, a gift that God has made available to us, and what I refer to as our, our uh, spiritual language. Uh, some people refer to it as tongues. We'll refer to it both ways here today. Tongues or, or our spiritual language. Why is this so important? And I want to make the case today that um, you should seek and pursue um, this gift for your life. That's the case I'm going to make. That it is for you, it's for me, it's for everyone. It is a gift that we can receive, and it is a gift that will bring great benefit and power to our lives if we exercise this gift. All right? Our spiritual language. So, the first mention that we have in the New Testament of tongues or the spiritual language is in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. And Ryan read this last week. I'm going to read it again for you just so you see uh, the scriptures, okay? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Uh, all together in one place. This was all the, the believers and followers of Jesus. They were waiting for what Jesus said was going to be the outpouring of the gift or the promised Holy Spirit upon them. So, they knew that the Holy Spirit was coming, Jesus taught about this. He said, I want you to wait until you receive the promised gift, which was the Holy Spirit. So they were anticipating being, uh, somehow being filled with the Holy Spirit or, or receiving the Holy Spirit. That's what they were anticipating. And they were in this gathering for over 10 days, um, waiting. And on the day of Pentecost, the wait was over. Okay. And it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, uh, and this this is just a a picture, you know, uh, that appeared or something like that, that separated and came to rest on each of them, and it says all of them, and I stress all, all of them, every single one of them, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, our translation here that I'm using in the NIV uses the word tongues, but it really could be translated as languages. It's that simple. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And as we read the story, the rest of the story, we see that because it was Pentecost, and it was one of the pilgrimage uh, feasts for the Jews, Jews had gathered from all over the world to come to the Holy Land to celebrate this special high Uh, high Sabbath and high holy days, okay? And so there there were Jews from all over the world with, with different native languages, and now there was a miracle that happened. The disciples who were from Galilee, most of them from that area, who didn't know these other languages, were enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to actually speak these foreign languages, and they were real languages. They were known to the people, And the Bible says they were hearing them in Acts chapter 2, verse 11. They said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues or in our own languages. So this was the first mention of this this spiritual language or the gift of tongues uh, that we see. And it was highly evangelistic, right? It was God speaking through a group of people uh, and witnessing to all of the different nations that were represented there. And, and, uh, and they were speaking of the glory of God and the marvel marvels of God and the wonders of God. And it drew everybody in and Peter preached a message and, you know, thousands and thousands of people got saved. So it was just an amazing event, an amazing miracle that God used to speak to everybody, communicate to everybody at one time. And, uh, and it was interesting that these were specific languages that the uh, apostles who didn't know them were speaking in. It'd be like if I had never, um, and I don't know French, uh, it, it'd be like if I suddenly could speak French to you because you understood that language and God wanted to speak to you how much he loved you and all of a sudden I was enabled or empowered to speak French to you. I might still not even know what I'm saying, but you would understand it. That's what happened. Okay. Now, there's other earlier or early biblical accounts of speaking in tongues following this event that were different. So, I want to give you a couple examples. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 46, Peter, uh, through the leading of the Holy Spirit and a dream, was brought to the home of a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius was told in, in a dream uh, by God that Peter would come and share a message with him and his household. So he gathered all of his household together. Peter shows up with some friends of his, and he begins to preach what Jesus did. Now, this was an amazing moment because Cornelius and his whole household were Gentiles, right? And Peter and the rest of the apostles thought that this was just a Jewish movement. But when Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles, um, all of a sudden, while he's speaking... The Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon these people. Let me read what it says. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, his buddies, were amazed or astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. This was a a revolutionary moment for the gospel. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So now we have these Gentiles. All of a sudden, nobody told them what to do. Uh, Nobody said what was going to happen. Nobody knew what was going to happen. But when they're hearing about Jesus and they're hearing the gospel, it says the Holy Spirit came upon them. They begin to speak in tongues. They begin to speak in other languages. Amazing. Amazing. And I, I believe this happened so that Peter and the rest of his buddies would be convinced that the same thing that happened to them is now happening to Cornelius and these Gentiles, which shows them... That God, his message of salvation, is for them too. It's for them too. Okay, another passage here in Acts chapter 19 talks about some people, some believers in Ephesus. I want to read to you what happens there. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, this is Acts 19 verses 1 to 7, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, these are, these are believers, these are Christians, right? And Peter says, did you guys get the Holy Spirit? And basically he said, no, we, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? We don't even know what you're talking about. So Paul said, well, then what baptism did you receive? They said, well, John's baptism. Paul said, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, which is, is great, but he told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That's what John the Baptist's message was. And that person is Jesus. So, Peter, so on hearing this, these guys, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in awe that this happened to in Ephesus. So, again, these were believers, but they hadn't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when they did, they also received this gift to be to speak in tongues. Now, there's two different uses of tongues or the spiritual language that we see later in Paul's writing as he's teaching the church about tongues. He's teaching the church about this gift. It wasn't just this one-time thing that happened on Pentecost. It also happened for Cornelius and his family. It happened for believers in Ephesus, and it seems to be the pattern of Paul and the early apostles. Wherever they went, when people got saved, they prayed for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and so they were empowered not only with the gift of, of tongues, but just empowered by the Holy Spirit for all of the gifts to flow in and through their lives. This was just like your standard issue equipment as a new believer, okay? That's the understanding that I have out of the scriptures. Now, so it goes on to say, though, that Paul describes how tongues, as it developed in the, in the uh, fabric of the community of the church and believers, there was a personal use of the gift of the spiritual language that brought personal benefit and strength to the, to the believer. And there also began to be a corporate gift when it was accompanied by an interpretation that built up and encouraged the church as well. Now, Paul's teaching on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So, if you're new to this or you just want to refresh your, your teaching on this, your, your understanding of this, read 1 Corinthians Chapter 14. Read that a couple of times this week. I'm going to go through some of that right now just so we have a good understanding of this gift, okay, and how it's used. 1 Corinthians 14, 27, and 28, Paul says, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak. This is in the context of a church service, okay? One at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, what Paul is talking about is that if I just begin to speak out in tongues in a church service, nobody's going to understand you know, what that is unless God is doing some sort of miracle and I'm speaking a language that is known by somebody else, right? So Paul says, we're not going to do that because it just creates confusion and nobody benefits from them. So if there isn't an interpretation that comes with the tongue, um, then be quiet. You know, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself and God. That's just your personal gift of tongues for God to, you are praising God and I'll get to that in a few minutes and you're worshiping God and he's building you up. That's private. That's personal. Uh, Just keep it to yourself. That's what Paul says. Keep it to yourself and God. But when there's, an interpretation, then everybody will be able to understand. So if a person speaks in tongues, then there's supposed to be an interpretation with that that would put it into the language of the, of the people, the audience there, to hear what God is actually saying to us. And then we're all built up and encouraged and like, oh, wow, God just spoke to us. Wow, that's awesome. Right? So there is a corporate gift that is expressed in church services from time to time. And, uh, and that's, that's beautiful. It's wonderful. it Always builds us up. Okay, But there also is a personal side to our spiritual language. And we also see Paul talking about that quite a bit. Um, and, And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why and what that looks like. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 2, and I think it's verse 2 and maybe 4 or 5, it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So when I'm speaking in a spiritual language, my spirit is speaking directly to God's spirit. What's happening is in this process is my mind is not understanding what I'm saying, but it also isn't influencing what I'm saying. And what I mean by that is my spirit, remember, you are a spirit. Actually, you are more a spirit than you are a physical being. I know it feels the opposite. Uh, most of us experience the opposite of that. We think we're physical beings and we try to get a little spiritual once in a while, but you are a spirit. Everything is flip-flopped right now. We need to flip-flop it back. We need to be more spiritual and less physical, okay? Because you really are a spirit and your spirit has been rescued by God. Your spirit has been born again There's no longer any hindrances between your spirit and God's. There is no sin barrier. It has been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Someone give a hallelujah. And so we have fellowship with God spirit to spirit. What gets in the way is our soul and our mind and our body, right? Our stinking thinking, our hurts, our misunderstandings, our bad theology. Um, And so when our spirit, which is liberated and born again and clean and pure, speaks to God's Spirit. It's speaking, it's circumventing all of our stinking thinking in our mind, and it's speaking the perfect communication to God, and perfect will of God, and we're praying in sync with God's will, and it's powerful. It's powerful. Do you see where I'm going with this? And so the spiritual language is, the, is like the the... Uh, You know, Batman, and when I grew up, I watched cartoons and and Batman, and they always had that, like, Batman phone. The commissioner would pick up the Batman phone, and it was like a straight line to Batman. Um, That's what we have through our spiritual language. We have a straight, pure, uninterrupted, unadulterated, undefiled line of pure communication to God's Spirit and praying God's perfect will over our situation. Even though our mind doesn't know what we're doing, Our spirit does. That's just phenomenal to me. So God's perfect will is being spoken uh, by my spirit through me to God. And my fallen, limited, temporary mind is not getting in the way. It's not tainting what I'm saying in any way. My mind would not understand some of the spiritual prayers that I'm praying through my spirit to God. It wouldn't comprehend. It wouldn't allow me to do it that way. Because because my mind can't understand it remember the clay and the potter there's there's a huge gap there between my understanding and God's will and his perfect wisdom but my spirit can handle that it's just awesome that's the power we need all right and also um in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4 it says he who speaks in a tongue Edifies himself, builds himself up, right? So when I'm speaking in my uh, spiritual language, what's happening is my spirit is getting strong. I I may not feel anything physically, but my spirit is getting strengthened. That's what it says. It's edifying myself. So my spirit's being built up and strengthened when I'm exercising my spiritual language. Remember, physical exercise, physical strength. Spiritual exercise, spiritual strength, I'm, 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 I'm praising God spiritually through my spirit. I'm speaking God's perfect will to be done. I'm fellowshipping with God through my spiritual language. And, and I'm exercising that. I'm growing stronger spiritually. I'm building myself up. Building myself up. My spirit understands and is being encouraged and strengthened by God's spirit when I'm speaking in my spiritual language. The spiritual truth is being spoken. And this is what I've experienced at times it splashes over into my mind, like as I'm speaking in tongues or I'm I'm praying over a situation, and I do this over every message. When I am every week, when I am sitting down to prepare a message for the church, I'm not trying to bring like Paul said, persuasive words of men. That that you don't need that. That ain't going to do you any good if I try to impress you with some sort of tim hobson intellect or insight you don't need that they ain't gonna do you any good at all so i what i do is i'm i'm praying i'm and i'm speaking in tongues i'm praying in tongues i'm i'm asking for the holy spirit to lead guide show direct uh navigate this process i'm like god what do we need what do the people need from you god what do you want to say what where are we going with this and I'm speaking in tongues and I'm praying in my mind. I'm doing both. And then God begins to lead me. And as I'm doing that, I feel like it helps me tune into what God is actually saying. I feel like my spiritual language helps somehow quicken my mortal mind, right? And it splashes over. And I'm like, I begin to wake up to what God is saying. It's just, it's just, It's awesome. And I use this for my life, for my problems, for my family, for wisdom, for direction. Um, I will often take a a situation or a concern, or I need a direction in something, and I will present that in English to God, and then I will speak over it, pray over it in tongues. And I will just do that, and I'll just, and then I'll. you know, intersperse more words of English. God, thank you. I've just given this to you and you just show me what to do. And I'll speak in tongues more. And then it, often throughout that process, I begin to get a direction in my mind. I get a direction in my heart. I begin to sense um, the steps to take. Uh, so it, the spiritual language kind of helps me tune into the spiritual realm and get out of the natural realm. And I get into the spiritual realm, and then that begins to kind of trickle down into the the natural realm, where my mind is, where my brain is. That's the benefit for me. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what do I do? Paul says, I will pray with my spirit, but I'm also going to pray with my mind. I'm going to sing with my spirit, but I'm also going to sing with my mind. I'm going to do both. Because my mind needs to worship God too, but my spirit uh, can, can worship God even better. But I can't understand that I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both. And that's what I do as well. And that's what you should do as well, is do both. And so when do you exercise the spiritual language? When would you do that? I've given you some examples in my own life specifically, but definitely while you're praying. I would be praying. We're going to talk about this next week, spiritual warfare. And how important our spiritual language is in spiritual warfare. But when you're praying, um, the Bible tells us, and I'll finish with this verse later, but it says here in Ephesians 6:18, "Pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the spirit, on all occasions. So I always intermix my spiritual language with the prayers that I'm praying in English. I always interweave those together because I'm looking for God's perfect will to be done. I don't think for a second that my brain knows that perfect will. I might have an idea. I might have a presumption, uh, and I will pray the best I know in my mind, but then I'm going to pray over it in tongues and make sure I hit that mark, you know, in the spirit realm. And that's what I do. The other time you can pray in your spiritual language is while worshiping. A lot of times I'll be singing worship, singing the words on the screen, and then I might, uh, you know, a little quieter, just sing in tongues to, to God and sing in my spirit to God. I'm not trying to distract anybody around me, so I don't do it very loud. I'm not trying to draw attention to me. It's not for anybody else. It's for my spirit to be built up to God. So I worship with tongues. While I'm studying, like I said, I'm preparing messages. Uh, Just before I went on this camera, I was speaking in tongues and just praying over this message so that God would quicken my spirit, strengthen me for whatever He wants to do right here in this moment together while studying the scriptures, while contending in spiritual warfare, you should be using your spiritual language. When you want to tune into what God's will is for a situation in your life. When you're seeking revelation uh, in God's word. When you just need to be strengthened in your spirit. When you need wisdom for a situation. The Bible says, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Right? This is a great tool. We are trying to get out of the natural plane, out of our understanding, limited understanding, and I really should say lack of understanding. We're trying to access God's wisdom, God's will, God's power and speaking in tongues and using your spiritual language is the greatest way for you to do that, to elevate to that level and begin to tap into what God's will is, right? So that's my encouragement to you. If prayer is the currency of heaven and praying in the spirit is praying God's perfect will, then what amazing power God is wielding through you when you are praying with your spiritual language to God. You're accessing God's will to be done on the earth and in your life. Now, just a couple last couple thoughts here as we wrap this up. Speaking in tongues, I believe, is for everyone. Uh, Paul said in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. And as I stressed earlier in Acts chapter 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, some believe that this was just for the early church. I believe it's for all of us. The gift of the Holy Spirit and the the, uh, spiritual language is for every believer who seeks after God, who wants all that God has for them, because it is a gift that empowers you. It's a gift that helps you connect with God. It's a gift that helps releases the spiritual truths into your reality. And so it's for all of us, uh, all who will desire God, all who will seek after God. And the Bible also says, and Paul says this in verses 39 and 40 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And so Paul says, don't forbid this. Um, And sometimes we see people trying to forbid this gift or uh, excuse it away as if it doesn't exist anymore. All right. My conviction is it exists. It is here. The Holy Spirit is here. Uh, This gift is here and available to everyone who hungers and seeks after God. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. I'd like you to read this this week. If you've never experienced having spoken a spiritual language, if you've never experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to read this passage of Scripture. This is Jesus talking. I want you to read this Scripture, ask God to speak to you, and you act on this if you have faith. You act on this Scripture because Jesus is saying this to you and to me. If you hunger for God, if you want all that God has for you, then you go after Him. You seek God. You ask God. You knock, and He will bless you and He will empower you and equip you with everything you need. Don't get hung up on some doctrine that has tried to stop you from experiencing all that God wants. Let's go off of what the Bible says. This is what Jesus says Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13 says, so I say to you, Jesus is talking, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So what's he talking about? We've got to put all this into context. The very next verse, verse 11, Jesus says, which of you fathers, if your son... Asked for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. No, of course not. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. No. If you then, though you are evil, remember the gap between our greatness and God's foolishness. Like you're way down here, and yet you wouldn't do that. If you wouldn't do that, um, it says, if then though you are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask Him. And every time we see someone receiving the Holy Spirit in the Bible, we see this gift of a spiritual language to empower us. Remember, Jesus said, the Spirit will come upon you and the power of God will come upon you so you will be my witnesses. And you'll have everything that you need to do what God's called you to do. Boy, I encourage you to study this passage of Scripture, take it to God, ask Him what His thoughts are, And then act on that. If you ask, if you seek, if you knock, Jesus says you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive everything that you need, the power from on high to live a life, not just naturally, but supernaturally, right? Not with human power, but with God's power. May you hunger and seek him this week. May you be filled to overflowing with that river of living water that Jesus said he promised to give us all. And may you drink of that well and may it overflow in you and just fill you with everything that you need for life and for godliness. Right now, if you just say, Pastor, I want, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to receive uh, this, this gift of the spiritual language. Well, then let's just ask right now. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, well, we need to do that first. All right? We need to have our, our sins cleansed and our spirit born again. Jesus says you need to be born again of your spirit, right? And that, that spirit is the connection that we now have with God that now we will be, uh, it'll be kind of charged up, right? And so we need to first submit to God, ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, put our faith in Him as our Lord and Savior, and then ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us with everything we need for life and for godliness. If that's your desire, pray with me right now, okay? Say, Jesus, today I come to you humbly. I am so thankful that you love me and you came to give your life to rescue mine. Today I place my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sin. And Lord, right now, may my spirit be born again. May I come alive in you. And may you fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have all of the gifts that I need to live an abundant life that you promised me to live in you and through you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I bless you. Um, I'm just so thankful for you and pray God's blessing upon you uh, as you continue to seek him and hunger for him. Before I uh, conclude this message, well, my message is pretty much concluded. I did want to give everybody a quick update on our vision campaign. I got some really exciting news. Uh, We started several months ago to try to raise $230,000 $230,000 to do a new parking lot, some basketball hoops out in our parking lot, a new sign, uh, some interior improvements in the church. As we've changed our name to real life, we're also doing some changes on the, on the building and the property uh, and just making things better and creating a great place for us to know God and, and extend the kingdom of God. So anyway, our total right now, this last couple of weeks, we received notice that the Jennings Memorial Foundation is uh, giving us a grant to help us in this process of $50,000. Isn't that awesome? So I'm super thankful for the Jennings Foundation for supporting us and our ministry. Uh, With that $50,000 grant, our total now is up to um, 200, let me see, yeah, 230, well, let's see. I'm sorry. Uh, $171,000. So we've raised $171,000 with that grant, and our goal is $230,000. So we need $59,000 more to finish all of phase one. And if God puts on your heart to be a part of this campaign, uh, then then write out a check or, or send us some money so we can continue to build what God wants to build here as we reach out to more and more people. But I just want to pass it on to you and celebrate with you. We're really making some progress Uh, We're going to be having our new sign up probably mid-September, maybe late September, and it's going to be a beautiful sign, and we're already starting to make some of these changes. So thank you for your support. Thank you for praying with us, believing with us for what God wants to do in all of us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in His name. Amen. God bless you.